So here's the thing, entrepreneurs, leaders, salespeople, we all want to create consistent, repeatable, and scalable ways to grow our business and our income. And we want to do it better, faster, and more seamlessly. Why? So we can actually enjoy our lives, take vacations, and spend the quality time we want with the people that we love. How do we do all this without spending a fortune or running ourselves ragged? That's the big question, and this show is dedicated to the answer. All right, so David, let's bring you on screen, man. Uh, good morning. How's Richmond? Good morning. It's uh, it's exciting to be back with you know doing this with this week in housing. It's been I was thinking back, you know, it's been four weeks since we did this. You know, we were all together at the summit a couple of weeks ago, and um, it's, it's a great way to start off a Friday. So I'm excited to be back and excited to be with you and uh, and talk uh, just about what's what's happening. Again, to your point, uh, over the last several weeks, uh, what what uh, what's going on. So thank yeah, you. Absolutely. And you know, like it's just an ever changing subject matter. Although I think what has been encouraging to me too, is like, I, I just saw your slides that you're going to show mm-hmm. to everybody in a second. And I'll ask you to, to again, remind them where can they find those resources when they're done for themselves. But the thing I've noticed is um, I'm thinking of the old, of the old Wayne, uh, Wayne Gretzky quote, which was skate where the puck is going to be. Right. Um, right. And Steve jobs made that famous, even more famous when he used it as a quote. But I'm thinking back to all the things that you and Tom and Steve and others have said about the last six months of these reports. And I'm like, we keep skating to where the, where the puck's going to be. The trends have looked good. And right. so I, having the chance to host, I want to say thank you for the research Keeping Current Matters is doing, for compiling these reports. And if you guys were watching live, like give them a little clap emoji, a thumbs up. Let's all say thanks to Keeping Current Matters. Um, we at Tom Ferry just love this relationship and we're super proud of the work you guys are doing. And we're grateful to be a part of sort of broadcasting that message out to agents all over the U S all over Canada, all over the world. Um, just because we want to keep people moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and listen, we are, we are grateful for, uh, the relationship and, and we always say, you know, this, this doesn't happen unless great agents like uh, you on the call today go out there and get it out there. And, you know, we've talked about being the knowledge broker. And so thank yeah. you for that. And Jason, you know, you were up in our office uh, last year in Richmond, Virginia, and the 26 people that support and do all this research, do all of the, uh, you know, the work to develop these insights. Um, you know, I was thinking back uh, to the start of this and, you know, we said on this week in housing, when we started this, on the other side of this, on the other side of quarantine, there's going to be more business for those that are out in the market than they can, uh, you know, they can handle. And we've certainly seen that, right? We're going into the fall. It's been busier than what we expected. And so your point of the Wayne Gretzky quote of starting to look now of, okay, let's go into the fall. Let's look into 2021, like we talked about at the summit. And um, I'm excited to cover a lot of that information, but thank you for, um, uh, for, for that. And thank you for all the folks that, you know, do, you know, join us on a Friday because without you, none of this happens, you know, and, and I always say, you know, the reason KCM was formed was to help families feel confident when buying and selling a home. And, uh, and that's our goal with all this information is that you can then go out in the market, help families feel confident, help them make decisions uh, as, as, as they you know, do that respective to their housing going forward. Love it. I'm reading these comments. I love this one uh, from uh, Diane. I think I said your name correctly. Here in Lake Tahoe, guess how many days I have not had off with a laughing emoji. <laughs> Right. right. You know, I think it's I a story my, across the country. I, you know, I'm looking at my own roster of coaching clients because I coach about 40-ish, right around 40 coaching clients for Tom Ferry. Um, and they're amazing individuals and teams. And so many of them, like we, we've been looking over this week, like here we are, we're in September. And it's like, I've already done as much or more than I did all of last year. Right. And the work pays off. It absolutely right. pays off. Um, but everybody's hustling. I remember like when we went into the summer, I told my coaching clients, okay, fourth quarter just ended. You're now in overtime. And now we're like into triple overtime. So just kind of (laughs) echoing the sentiment of work, work, work. Uh, I know. I know that everybody's been busting their tails right now to keep doing the work. And I'm here to kind of like blow the whistle and say, keep going. Yeah. And I think, 
I think some of the, you know, the things that we talked about when you and I were kind of, I was, you know, walking through the slides with you, I think there's some, some reason to say, okay, look, there's some things on the horizon that we need to keep doing the work for to be ready, uh, you, you know, for, uh, for, for other pieces of this market to, to open up. And you asked me something that I want to mention. Uh, you said, you know, we're going to go into the slides here in just a minute. And I know somebody usually drops it in the comments there, but you can get all the slides we're going to talk about today at my KCM. So M Y KCM.com, my KCM.com forward slash Tom Ferry. You can down all, download all of those and we want you to have those and use those. Um, yeah. You can go there now uh, as, we're, as we're getting ready. What's that? I just put it in the chat for us and oh, good. I'm logged okay, in as Tom Ferry. So I Tom Ferry, not really. Just put it in the perfect, chat. Perfect. Okay, cool. Um, so I guess let's segue into it. You got a lot of good stuff for us. Like you said, it's been four weeks since we've done one of these live streams. Uh, yep. For all of our attendees at the Success Summit from two weeks ago, you gave mm -hmm. a stellar presentation. Um, and I may ask you to kind of recall some of the things you shared there to see if they're still okay. holding true two weeks sure. later. Um, for anybody who has not watched Summit, it is available for livecast. Uh, go to tomferry.com. It's worth, the, it's, it's, it's a lot of content. Like I was right. joking with my clients, we did the event in three days, not four, but really there's like six days of content sandwiched in there. So it's, it's a lot of good stuff. But David, why don't you get your uh, slides up and let's jump into the content and see what's happening this yeah. week in housing. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and kick it off. And you know, here's the way I would kick it off, Jason. Is you know, we talked about it's been several weeks since we've done this. So I want to do a little bit of a recap and let's talk about some of the things that have happened over the last several weeks. And and I'll start with with unemployment. You know, we saw the unemployment report come out a couple of weeks ago. Um, economically, let's talk about where we're at relative to recovery. And again, you know, these are, these are subjects we've been talking about. Jason, you've been very, very good about, uh, you know, helping people understand, okay, how do we, how do we um, in a thoughtful way, dispense this information, you know, right. because when we talk about unemployment, we talk about things that uh, folks that are impacted, we want to, we want to do that in such a way that um, we help people understand what is going on across the country because yeah. the, the, the other side of that is someone makes a decision or they, they don't make a decision because they feel, you know, I, you know, that maybe they've been misinformed or they have a thought about what's going on in the economy. And we want to be able to be that knowledge broker, just like you said. So what I'll do is I'll go ahead and share and let's maybe start with unemployment. Uh, the, the most recent unemployment uh, report came out a couple of weeks ago and was published by the Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, for August that we're at an unemployment rate of 8.4% across the country. So um, that in itself, I, I, I want to I bring a little perspective to that in, in a couple of ways. You can see here unemployment from the beginning of the year. And if you were to ask me, what's the story here is unemployment went up in March and April and it's gone down since May. Now, I wouldn't suggest that 8.4% unemployment is a good number. Uh, we want to see that continue to fall, but we are seeing it continue to fall. We want to see more people go uh, back to work. Now, you may be looking at that, or someone may even say, um, you, you know, well, I heard the unemployment rate was 9.1% or throw out another number. Interestingly, in the report, they said they went back to the overstatement question, if you uh, remember that from what we've talked about, and said, you know, if there were an error, the upper bound and likely, their words were likely overstated number would be 9%, 9.1% uh, to be exact, but they published 8.4%. But just like we talked about at the summit, realize that, you know, out in the media, out in everywhere, there are agendas today um, relative to just the uh, straight up the, the election cycle that we're in, that people are looking and scrutinizing this report. And I would even argue that the next coming uh, unemployment report will probably be the most heavily scrutinized unemployment report we've seen in quite some time uh, because of the agendas that, that, that are there at play. One side going, hey, it's way better than what, what, what you think it is. One side saying, no, it's way worse. And there's other factors. And uh, yeah. being able to cut through for our clients what's happening is, uh, is our job today. 
So as we look at unemployment, I want to bring in a, uh, a little bit of perspective and a comparison. You know, just a couple of months ago, we were comparing what we were going through to the Great Depression. Now, this is a slide that's built comparing uh, the Great Depression, Great Recession, oil recession to what we're experiencing now of the number of months of unemployment greater or equal to 9%. And what do we see right now? We've been through four months of unemployment greater than or equal to 9% versus 108 in the Great Depression, even, even the Great Recession of 30 months uh, there. So I, I, don't, I don't say that to minimize what people are going through or the situations that are uh, felt across this country and, and those that want to get back to work and can't and, and there, there are needs of businesses that have, that have not made it through here. But I want to give perspective to what we're going through as compared to, to other downturns. Of course. You know, the, the, the next thing I, I would hop into is what are experts saying about the future of unemployment? That's what we need to start looking at. And, uh, and, and so this is the most, oh, sorry, this is the most up-to-date um, projection from the Wall Street Journal Survey of Economists Okay, if we're at 8.4% right now, they're projecting going into 2021 to be at 6.3%, and you can see beyond there, 5 and then 4% in 2023. So th that employment, uh, unemployment rate starting to come down slowly, and we certainly want to see that continue uh, to come down as more people go back to work and, uh, and the economy recovers. Because um, I think that's the big question right now relative to the economy is, you know, can, can the economy recover as people are still, you know, out of work? And, uh, and, and we want to see that happen. So as we, as we look at unemployment there and we say, okay, look, it's heading in the right direction, certainly not uh, where we you know, would want it to be right now, but, but heading in the right direction. Um, I pulled this quote from the Wall Street Journal talking about the greater uh, economy right now. It says, the U.S. economy and labor market are recovering from a coronavirus-related downturn more quickly than previously expected. Economists said in a monthly survey. So I want to pause right there for a second. We talked about this a lot on the front end. Recovery, certainly housing market recovery as we look forward, uh, is recovering quickly. We talked about there's going to be more business on the other side, just like we just said, for those that are out there and, uh, you know, and folks coming back. We know January and February, we started in our business, two of the best months in over 10 years. Uh, and we've seen all that demand come back and in, in, in folks saying, hey, uh, home is is very very important uh, to us, and, and the needs that we have have changed uh, during the downturn. They go on to say, business and academic economists polled by the Wall Street Journal expect, expect gross domestic product GDP to increase at an annualized rate of twenty three point nine percent in the third quarter. That is up sharply from an expect uh, expectation of eighteen point three uh, percent growth rate in the previous survey. So we're seeing GDP estimates being revised upward, which is a good thing. We still got a long way to go, but we want to see upward growth relative to GDP and measure the overall economy uh, as we go forward. So I think there are positive things to uh, to look look forward in the economy. Uh, CNN and Moody's just released a, what they call the Back to Normal Index. And this is very interesting. I won't go into it. They bring a whole lot of data and information uh, into, uh, into this calculation. And, you know, if you're a KCM member, you can go to all these slides and go search the, the, uh, the report that they use for this if you want to really understand it. But you see light blue across the country, which means those states would be anywhere from 80 to 90 percent back to normal um, relative to where they were before the coronavirus uh, got started. An encouraging sign. We see a lot of- Economically speaking. Say again? Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's, there's, a, there's a lot economically speaking that goes into this, but yeah, that's the main driver. Right. We see the, the brown states there at 70 to uh, 79 percent, so some states lagging behind there. And then we see 
Hawaii at the bottom, less than uh, than seventy percent back to normal. A state heavily dependent upon tourism, and you know, uh, sure. and hit very hard relative to you know folks not being able to travel there, you know, not not being able to uh, to to do and uh, participate in the vacations and things that they would normally go there for. But I think an encouraging sign as we look across the the country and we see a lot of states, a lot of areas that are are coming back to normal. More more uh, you know room to to grow and more room to cover uh, relative to getting back to business as usual if that's the right term um, but but an encouraging sign as we look at unemployment coming down in the economy you, you know uh, getting back to uh, to where it was prior to this you know and I would jump in on this uh, and say as far as getting back to normal is concerned from a marketing standpoint something I think you as agents managers brokers could be thinking about is and we've talked about this on past uh, this week in housing episodes that we've done is more interviews like video interviews, things of that effect with local business owners. It could be a Zoom or a StreamYard or whatever the protocol is for social distancing as far as long as you're following regulations. Show people how they are back to normal in some capacity, how they are moving forward. Because I think what that will do is instill a sense of, okay, this is what people are doing. Here's the way to do it correctly. Right. And that is just you positioning yourself as hyper-local, sort of a digital mayor, or at least a, a mayor in some form of knowing what's going on around town, not just in housing, but in the community at large. How are people doing business? So I guess the call to action is, hey, have you done, a, like, I'm thinking about those restaurant shows that a lot of agents do, or local business interviews that a lot of agents do, uh, talking to gyms and owners and that sort of a thing. Go get the information and be the resource. I see an opportunity there. Anyways, yeah. wanted to chime that in. I, I think about that too. Two, two things that come to mind. I always think of Kyle Whistle and that. The, I do too. East County Eats. North County Eats. And, but, but think about this too. Think about the business owner that we can help inside of that. I mean, th those are the folks that need it right now. And, and not only can we get out there and say, okay, look, people are getting back to normal, but we can also help them in a big way. And I'm thinking about Stephen Kim, one of our rock star coaching clients and coaches in Toronto. And he does a show called Foodie Fridays. And he's done it for a long time. It's an Instagram, YouTube, Facebook type of show. And he just basically shows restaurants off around town. What he, He's typically ordering their food. Um, he started doing takeout editions early in, in the whole pandemic and everything. And he went to go grab takeout one week for his family to take back home. And the owner knew that he was out there getting takeout, like the whole curbside and came out and just said, thank you. Mm. Thank you for like our business uptick because of your show. Thank you. Um, so to your point, David, this is an opportunity to do good in your community. And I know that so many of you, I really practically all of you should be seeing yourself as, um, I'm a community representative. On some right. level, my job is an ambassador to this community. That's my job. And so from a marketing standpoint, this is a nice little Goldilocks moment where it fits together. So get an action. Yeah, that's a, it's a, such, a, such an important point. Yep. All right. Keep us rolling. You know, I, I think the, the, the next thing I would bring in here, so let's just go through a, a real estate market update. You know, how is our business doing? There's been some some changes here. We'll talk a little bit about pricing. I'll bring in the uh, the NAR market recovery index. If you recall that, we, we've yep. talked about uh, several weeks uh, that, that they released over the summer, you know, which is a is an index that looks at demand, supply, price, time on market, and and measures recovery in the housing market. Uh, we've talked about the the dip off and the return back. We are above where we were, um, you know, when when this uh, this index you know kind of peaked in February. Wow. And, and, and now we look at that and, and we can say with confidence, there were so many agents that, that, that watched This Week in Housing and, and got out there and said, you know, hey, look, yeah, we're looking at, at a V-shaped recovery and, and what do we see in housing for sure, uh, a V-shaped recovery. I don't have all of the um, information to cover today, but I can tell you in the Wall Street Journal Survey of Economists, the overwhelming majority say the overall economy is in some form of a V, where it's a traditional V or kind of think about a Nike swoosh. It's really the, the angle of that, uh, of that return. 
Yep. And so we're seeing that we're, we're seeing the business come back. Um, now we're going to talk about, you know, what, what are challenges that we face too here in just a little bit, but I think it's, it's safe to say, you know, we, we talked about uh, at the summit, the idea that we're likely through a lot of the pent up demand that happened over the summer and settling into a market that's above or ahead where we were last year. And that's a, it's a very, very positive sign. Yeah, you know, we, we've been, go ahead. I was going to say, if you would, kind of go back and echo what you said at Summit, because one of the things you shared at Summit during your talk that really made an impression on me was simply looking at year over year, the volume of sales. Because mm-hmm. um, I, personally, I was like wondering, and I didn't have the data, you did. That's why we have this relationship. Is it that there's really low inventory? It's an absence of supply of product, therefore prices are driving it up. And that's part of the recovery. But mm-hmm. you shared that actually the transaction count was... I'll let, you, I'll let you give the data if you have that handy, um, but talk sure. to us about year-over-year number of transactions just so we can keep that in mind along with the recovery. Yeah, I think there's, there, there, there's a lot in there. So the, the, if you weren't at the summit, and I would highly, highly encourage you to purchase the on-demand copies of this, not just for all of this information we covered, but there's you know, so much more that, uh, that you'll get from that, and that, that is an easy decision. So what we talked about at Summit was there are two things that we want to look at. We want to look at pended deals and we want to look at uh, purchase applications, right? So if you go back to what we talked about showing time, think about that. We saw the dip down and we know week over week, each week since the quarantine, folks have come out and said, I want to look at a home, whether virtually or in person. And we've seen that, that business come back. We then begin to look at, okay, are those going into deals? And, and what we saw is over the summer, um, week over week, we're seeing those deals uh, you know, grow. And so uh, a lot of pent up demand that we got through over the summer, and we've largely settled into a market week over week where we're up a percent, down a percent, very, um, very steady is the word I would use. Same thing on mortgage, mortgage applications. We saw a peak over the summer and moved into a steady market. Now, the interesting thing about that is the steady market, as I'm calling it, on purchase applications is about 30% over last year. Wow. On pended deals, this most recent right. week was up 25%. Now, there is some uh, a mix up there of uh, Labor Day in which week it fell on this year versus last, but consistently, it's been up around 20%. And so, even though we've, we've come into the steady market, we're ahead of last year. Now, the, the piece that we, we finished up with there is the forecast from Lawrence Yoon at NAR, the chief economist, saying, here we sit, you, you know, knocking on the door of the fourth quarter of this year with a projection to beat 2019's numbers for existing home sales. And again, I go back to where we started this. We said, there is going to be that volume, uh, uh, you, you know, in transactions on the other side of this. And I think there's a lot, uh, Jason, that, that we've talked about to, to point to 2021 and even more volume that, that, that's on the horizon. I'll get into that. We'll in get into that. But the analogy that I use there is you're flying down the road doing 90 miles an hour and you see a speed trap or a speed limit sign, whatever it is up ahead and you jam on the brakes, you slow down to, to 65 and you feel like you're a lot, going a lot slower when you're actually going really fast and doing the speed limit. And even maybe in some cases, a little bit ahead of the speed limit. Great analogy. I love it. Um, hey, while you get your slides off for a second, I, I am seeing some commentary, and I'm going to put you on the spot, David. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. I'm seeing some comments around some of the devastation from the fires, and then also I think about the hurricanes. Sure. With, with some of these forces at work, are we seeing any impact, or do we have any data or intel on what's happening or could happen with that? You know, I, I don't, it's, it's way too early to say, how is that going to impact? You know, typically what happens in our business in any of those situations is a, a freeze is literally put on, you know, uh, on the financing at least because they need to be able to verify, is there any destruction? Is there anything happening to the home? But it's certainly too easy. To, I mean, too uh, early to, to be able to tell what, what impact that's going to have. Okay. All right. Well, then future episodes, we'll see and report. All right. Uh, back to you if you want to keep us rolling forward. 
Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into, uh, I'm going to share here real quick, uh, a familiar slide you've seen, which is, is, the, is the pricing projection on future home prices. Now, uh, if you remember this and you've been watching it, a couple of things that have changed here. There were some red on the right side. You know, we were saying, if we look at these nine experts, that the, the majority of them were saying appreciation, but we had a couple that said depreciation and, and really over the time, uh, they've shifted from, you know, depreciation or slight appreciation to uh, to more appreciation. And, and I think that's the the story right now of the market that we're in is a lot of people going, hmm, we, we didn't think it was going to kind of go this way. Those of you that have been following us and have watched these experts, we even said, you know, CoreLogic here that's now saying 0.6% appreciation. We think they're they're off on that. And, and the interesting thing is the adjustments that have been made to future home prices across the board have been up. Uh, Fannie Mae started out at 0.4% appreciation. Now they're saying 4.4% appreciation. Zillow went from depreciation to appreciation and CoreLogic went from 6.6% depreciation to 0.6%. And, and I would offer that, and I would bet, Jason, if we want to bet on that today, that's going higher. They're going to, uh, to raise that projection. I'm going to take that bet, David. Yeah, just what'd you say? I don't think I'm going to take that bet. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think it, this is, a, is another area relative to, you know, we're always looking at the macro U.S. view, but, you know, appreciation is always going to be governed by supply and demand, okay? And I think this is an area where we can bring in the local view of what's going on in our market with the, you know, yes. supply challenges we may have, the demand, the over-demand that we're seeing in the market and say, look, I think this is, you know, what's going to dictate going forward for home prices relative to where we are uh, in, you know, the, the, the certain nuance of your market. So very interesting to look at that as we look at, uh, at uh, you know, just the pricing question going in the next 12 months. Now, all of this uh, I would offer is being fueled by demand. Um, and, and, and certainly that's a, a com- component largely driven by interest rates right now. And, and what we know coming uh, from showing time is that home buyer traffic jumped again in July, uh, 60% year-over-year increase in showing activity uh, led by the Northeast. And you can see every one of the, the areas of the country 40 to 50 percent, 76 percent in the Northeast. If we look at that in a in, in sort of a line graph here, that uh, the the jump in showings in demand is true across uh, across the country. So, uh, very interesting to to start to look at this information as we get it in relative just to to, to the white hot demand that's uh, uh, that's happening across the U.S really is. And I was thinking about what you said, like kind of taking a couple of these slides together as far as a marketing opportunity. Um, If I were selling in the local market, I would love to get that. I think you mentioned some of the studies came from NAR in terms of they estimated we're up in in terms of volume of transactions by about 30%, I believe you said. Right. Um, I would reference that on a national level and then do the research locally to figure out here's what's going on in our local market. Right. And help right. people understand the nuance of that market. That's going to position you as I mean, that right there is your next market update video, just yeah. so people can see. Okay, wow, um, that's a confidence booster. That's a, that's another piece, but it also would show where the opportunities might exist. So just I'm going to just try to jump in if I see a video or a marketing piece or an idea. Just yeah, I think that. I think that's our job. And and again, we've talked about that several times here of taking this look and comparing it to what's happening in the in the markets and the neighborhoods and the areas that uh, that you serve. And that's that's the win today. And it's what I would argue people are looking for. Uh, if yeah. we're going to be the true knowledge broker and we're going to be out there uh, as the trusted advisor and everything that, that we say, then we've got to deliver that, I would argue. Uh, to to people now, there's there's an interesting study that I want to share with you, and I really I want to park on this, Jason, because I think you can bring some application to this relative to what our job is and how we get this out right now. And it's yeah. um, it, it comes from the Fannie Mae Home Purchase Sentiment Index, 
And so this study goes out and asks uh, respondents here, buyers or sellers, is it a good time to buy or sell? Now let's, let's park for a minute on the dark blue, which is a good time to buy. We saw that dip down, and I'll use my cursor here, you know, right in the, uh, the quarantine time, come back, dip down, you know, a little, little bit of action there. But I would argue relatively, uh, you know, in the same area we're, we're back to, maybe, maybe not uh, upward trending yet, but, but we're, we're, we're in the same neighborhood. Mm. The shocker here is that, and maybe it's not a shocker, but the, uh, the good time to sell fell off the map. I think largely driven by people's um, fear of, of having uh, people in their home. There could be folks that say, "Look, it's not a good time to sell because we don't have anywhere to go." I think that is a, is a, is a you know, is something going on with folks certainly today, and, and that has not come back. If anything, it's probably half of what uh, what it would have been, you know, if if we were in a normalized market and had not gone through the downturn of the pandemic. So. What you that know, tells would, me right there is, you know, we, we, we've seen, you know, uh, a lot of activity this year and we've seen a lot of activity with uh, a, a lot of people thinking, eh, I don't want to sell my home right now, you know, uh, and, and I always think about that when I saw this, I think what happens when we start to get some good information where people feel comfortable, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, uh, concern about health and safety, and, and I'm, I'm saying we should take those very seriously. I'm not minimizing those, but I think that that, that, that number and that projection going forward, uh, when that does happen, is going to mean a significant uh, thing for our business. Yeah, so I would ask the question in the chat, just for everybody here, like we saw the gap, we see... And again, any market, uh, stocks, housing, whatever, like people buy stuff based upon feelings. Sure. So it's really predicated on sentiment. They use the word sentiment, but it's how do I feel? Am I bullish, bearish? What am I about buying a house, selling a house? I'd be curious. We see that buyer demand is, you know, clearly we know it's red hot and it's holding the line because, and it might feel very red hot just due to a limited inventory, I think. I don't know if you can, but there's transactions are up anyways, but- I'd be curious what the folks watching live right now would put in the comments and say, what's behind sellers? I think you wagered a couple of opinions. What's, what's keeping sellers in your market, in your opinion? Hey, it's Tom Ferry. Question, what's your favorite social media platform? Are you big on Insta? Do you love to tweet? No matter where you answer, I'd love for you to connect with me there. All you got to do is just type in at Tom Ferry and follow and let's you and I connect. I want to be able to deliver the right content, the right ideas, the ways to help you grow your business, stay fired up, keep moving, be in action and run plays that work in the platform that matters most to you. So subscribe and I'll see you there soon. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a great question. I'd love to see that too, as people just weigh in on, hey, why why are people not selling? You know, in, in your market now. Let's go back to the buyer question for just a minute because you said yeah. that. I yeah. think there are. Um, I think buying uh, is in that position to your point because there is demand and 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 it's out there. I also would go back to Jason. Uh, there's buyer demand today because of the needs of individuals have changed. There are a lot of people looking going, we don't have the space or we want a different space or we want to go from urban to suburban, you know, dense to less dense. You put out a, you put out a thing on Instagram the other day that talked about uh, suburbia statistics in terms of folks moving out of urban areas, but their needs have changed. Space has changed. Yeah. Even my wife and I were talking about um, our house and, you know, we've talked about selling it at some point and, uh, trying to anticipate like the kinds of folks who would uh, buy it in terms of their needs and size. And we're like, well, this and that. And we had a conversation about just sh- like home office, a uh, place for schooling, uh, faster internet. Just some of the things have changed to your point. And I think there's going to be somewhat of a permanent, I think, effect on that. I'm going to look at the comments and see if anybody's kind of selling high. Okay. So I'm seeing, so no inventory in other markets where they want to move. So William says that there's no inventory. Yeah. Uh, Mandy said, they also have to buy and they don't want to overpay for the purchase. Um, no place to move because of inventory issues. So I'm seeing that pretty consistently. It's kind of hard to scroll through comments on a live stream. I hear you. I hear you. Um, but that's like, here's another one coming in. No place to move. Um, waiting to see how the, so here's one from Lisa Jackson who said Cape Coral order uh, retire population is waiting to see how the economy will be affected post-election. So there could yeah. be that. 
We talked a lot about that at Summit. I think that's very real yeah. uh, uh, sentiment. I, I do want to talk in a minute about the objection of I don't want to overpay because I think okay, that's well, so something. Like, so let's frame this out for a second because I want to park here for a minute. Mm-hmm. You showed us this great slide that talked about buyer demand and seller willingness, so to yeah. speak. And it is all just supply and demand economics. Um, what happens in a supply and demand economic environment when there's a lack of supply and an oversaturation of demand? Prices go up. We're seeing that happen right now. Right. Um, and I would argue we're seeing that in every area of the economy. And I think what you said is, I think there's a couple of things that make, my, make me get fascinated because I would, my normal brain would have said, well, that's just because there aren't as many sales going on. But that's not true. Because there are as many sales going on. There's more sales going on according to the numbers you revealed. So what is it? And I think you hit it right on the head that people's needs are changing. And so the need to buy, the need to look for something else, the next thing, I would argue, is greater than we've seen in a long time. Would you agree or disagree or offer a different way of framing that? No, I, I, I think it is. I think the importance of home due to it being the epicenter of our lives uh, in and certainly in my lifetime, has uh, has escalated more quickly than ever before. Now, I, I do think, you know, as as we get back to, and depending on the business people are in, you know, working and a little bit more, I'm going to call it normal lives and yeah. obeying, you know, local health and guidelines and things like that. I do think it is changing the way people think about what they want in a home. And, you know, I, I use the statistic from NARA that two out of three buyers right now are looking to buy based on the potential to work from home. And I kind of go, that's the person that says, hey, if this happens again, I want to be ready. May not mean I'm going to necessarily work from home, but I want to anticipate. There were things that I, want, I, w- I was not thinking about in February or March that all of a sudden I go, I'm thinking about that now. You know? Absolutely. Um, we, at at uh, Summit, I taught a breakout session on Facebook ads. And one of the ads I trained on um, is – how to do an ad that says, here's a list of homes with pools, homes with big backyards, homes with home offices, homes with fast internet connection, or those types of things. But just anticipating the demands of folks. But again, so what do we do? And I'm going to give you the chance to talk in a second about what you wanted to share. What do we do from a marketing standpoint when we see this gap between buyers who want it, sellers who aren't willing? And and I want to, so the common reason in the thread from the comments is, basically along the lines of where would I go if I sold my house? I'm going to get caught in the overpaying for the next place I'd go. And I think objectively that's true. I think what you said is also interesting that there may still be, and I think it probably, I think it probably has a bearing on where people are located on some level and just, you know, what is the case count like and so forth. Sure. Um, But I think there are probably a lot of people who are uncomfortable and they're like, I'm sticking this thing out. I have uncertainty. The sentiment is uncertain. And I think what you said, and this is what I want folks listening for, because if David's right and we start seeing positive news about, I don't know, I'm just making this up, about maybe vaccine progress or herd immunity or I'm not an epidemiologist or anything like that or a doctor, but if we start seeing things that instill confidence in a future, a light at the end of the tunnel kind of effect, what could happen to folks who maybe have been on the sidelines? The answer is they might say, we're ready to roll. They, they might have been waiting. And so I would say from a marketing standpoint uh, to be ready for that. I've been talking to my clients about, hey, if you have buyers who are, and I saw one person's comment about buyers getting beat up in multiple offers, they're losing steam, that kind of a thing. I'd be having a conversation to say, hey, look, be listening out for some positive news about this because that may be a very good tell that we should have our I's dotted, T's crossed, ready to pounce for some type of a, a lagging, inventory coming to market. Does that make sense, David? Would you yeah. comment on the validity of that? Yeah, I think the, so let's, there, there are two things that, that stick out to me about that. First is the very real um, situation of somebody saying, I'm going to not sell right now because I don't know where I would go. That's, that's, that's reality. The second one is there is no doubt there are people that have not made decisions because of their, uh, their fear, uh, of uh, bringing people into their homes. And I'm not even saying uh, that's not a legitimate fear, but but sure. at the point that we get, and I'm going to put all this in the category of good news. 
and that that could come in a number of different forms and there are opinions about vaccines there are opinions about herd immunity there are opinions about everything but i think if we look to the future and we say okay at some point those things are going to start stacking up then people will go okay now we can we've been sitting here the family that says you know what we need to do something different the 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 couple that's downsizing that says well, you know we really don't need this uh this size of a home i think that's what we're talking about uh, right now yeah, I think so. And so some of the marketing ideas that come to mind for me is, you know, Tom at the summit talked a lot about a tool called Remind or whatever, but the ability to basically populate a list of, I don't know, I'm imagining in my farm who are absentee owners that I could start okay. positioning some of this data to. Hey, by the way, um, we're seeing, I mean, and you use that, I got it from you guys too. There was a, a study from CoreLogic um, at the end of Q1, I think that said the average American homeowner had something like 170000 ish dollars in home equity or something like that. Your team sent it to me. Don't quote yeah. me. Uh, we, we <laughs> You're off seven. It's 177. That was really close, Jason. It was 177000 That was at the end of Q1. Yeah. Most markets have appreciated. Right. And so doing the research to figure out what that is, but it's like, hey, so we've been at, like one of the ads we were teaching at Summit is running it out on Facebook, whereby you're targeting for instance, absentee owners, how do you do that? You could go to Remind, get the list, upload it as a custom audience, and it could be a postcard too. It doesn't have to be a Facebook ad. But the script is basically, hey, the average American homeowner has $177,000 in home equity right now per core logic at the end of Q1. In our market, we've seen X percent appreciation. I'm not saying this is you exactly, but you could be sitting on a pretty big treasure chest of equity. How many months of rent would you have to collect? in order to equal what you could sell for today and walk with cash in hand. Does that make sense, David? Yeah, I, I think it, here's what I would say about that is in our market today, that, that logic thought gives people options. It does. And, and, and in more than ever right now, people have gone, Hey, I need different options. And so I think we want to be positioned when the person says, okay, I do want to do that, that, that we're the choice. David, I got it. You take that, put, you put that slide back on the screen real quick. Which one? The buyer versus seller willingness oh, okay. in index. Yep. You send this out to your farm area as like a letter or a postcard as a survey and say, here's what we're seeing according to the Fannie Mae Home Purchase Sentiment Index. Um, and you like circle it and mark it up as a paper and then like copy it. Right. Buyers right. are really in the market right now. Sellers don't think it's a good time to sell. We're seeing appreciation at X. Will you fill out our form and tell us why you think folks don't want to sell their homes right now and try to collect data? But what I think this does, if you send it out as a survey, is it actually gives the information where they go, objective brain turns on and says, wait a minute, look at that right there. I see all these buyers who want to buy and why isn't it a good time to sell? And we have our needs. And again, some people may not move because of some of the reasons stated. They may not feel comfortable yet and you can't control that. Sure. Uh, they may not, they may be moving into a marketplace that's going to cost them more than they gain on the sale of their home. I get that. But at the end of the day, this goes back to something you said, David, if you don't get the information out, that's kind of your job. Yeah. To get the information out. And I know a lot of agents are probably feeling this right now. They're super, super busy right now. Like yeah. they haven't had a day off in six months. So when am I supposed to have the time to create this content? And the answer is like, that's what KCM makes content for, right? And then localizing it. But I would say to you as a coach, I would say that you've got to find the time. You've got to make the time in your day where you're getting the word out about what's happening in the marketplace. Otherwise, you're being reactionary in your own local marketplace versus a leader. And what we know during in any kind of a business, like there was a study from Bain and Company that talked about um, what happens to businesses that assume a position of leadership during times of hardship or crisis mm. or recession versus businesses that don't. And Tom shared this at the summit as well. And they have study after study after study that said when businesses basically shrink and contract and they just become reactionary and they stop spending and they cost cut and they do all the things that seem like the right thing, like the fight, flight, or freeze, the flight kind of stuff. When they do that, they end up kind of digging their own grave in terms of future recovery opportunities. But the businesses that assume that leadership position, they get remembered and they kind of just take off. If you look at the, I'm imagining the chart in my head right now as it happens. But I would say to you, if you're busy right now, I get it. But as a coach, I'm saying, you got to get it. You got to get it too. 
like this kind of data, getting the word out, being the leader, being the knowledge broker is paramount, yeah. not only to now, but to future success in your business. Anyways, yeah. let me get off my high horse. Back to you. Well, I think that is, here's the, the point that I make in a lot of this information is, and it's exactly what you said. These are what buyers and sellers are thinking. Here's the difference though. They're not going to walk up to us and tell us that or knock on our door and tell us that. We want to put the information in front of them and have them see that and elicit that response, right? Um, and, and I think that is the, the job and the difference maker today. We kind of know what they're thinking. Somebody mentioned, hey, I'm going to kind of hold off on, uh, on the election piece. I've seen several videos that people have done on the the information that I shared at Summit on how real how the election will affect real estate, putting that out there where somebody goes, you know what, I kind of feel that way. I want to talk to this person. So when I do feel like I want to make a move, this is I'm I'm well prepared. Well, there's a natural right. trust because you've already been the sharer of the information, and therefore right, there's right. be a connection. Assumed. Um, I, f- I forget what you said. The thing you wanted to say was you didn't want to leave it behind. You remember that? The um, uh, relative to buyers and sellers. Yes, I think it was relative to this. There was something you wanted to share. I think the question here is with sellers, and I would, you can say this a lot better than I can, Jason, so I'm going to say it. Probably not, but go ahead. I need you to put it in a softer way, okay? Is the question you want to ask somebody is, would you like to list your home now or this fall, or would you rather wait until next year when everybody else lists their home? Because what we know typically... Uh, and KCM has a research. You can go to the KCM blog and search it from last fall, and, and we'll talk about it this fall. We'll bring current data to it. Is the majority of homes come on the market as we turn the corner to the new year? The sweet spot for the seller is tailing out in the end of the year when there is less supply, and that's true just about across the country in every area. Um, or, or you wait until everybody else goes, you know what, we're going to, uh, we're, we're going to go ahead and put our house on the market. I'm looking for the script. It's in my slides <laughs> from Summit, a version of it. Uh, one of our coaches, uh, Coach Jason out in New Zealand wrote it. I'm pulling it up to read it. This was a letter to investors, but I think it's going to kind of address the same thing you said. I was like, where was that script? Where was that script? And it's popping in my head. Um, he talks about... Sorry, I'm scanning, guys. Bear with me. David Stahl. Tell them that joke you know, David, while I'm looking. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, no one really knows where the market is heading, but we are certain – I'm just reading – this may or may not all apply. We are, And this is also a different – this is New Zealand also. But we are certain that both government and Reserve Bank have their eye on the cooling Auckland market – so we can reasonably expect some more control measures and reading, reading, reading. Ah, I can't find it. It's too long of a letter. But basically his gist was the same as yours. Hey, listen, real estate, your home is a home, but it's also an asset. Mm-hmm. And when you think about the buying or selling of assets, it's your biggest financial investment. You ultimately want to sell that property whenever you can ensure the maximum gains. That's right. the gain. And you're more likely to do that, I would project. I don't have a crystal ball, but I would project you're more likely to do that when you have less competition, meaning buyers have fewer options. And though I don't know exactly what next year looks like based upon where we're trending and the trends have held true so far, it seems like we can expect more inventory next year based on what you're saying, David, right? I think, I think we can say confidently that as more good news comes out, we can expect more inventory. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that right there is, that's a good line, actually. As we, as we see more good news or resolution to some of this happening, we can expect more inventory. And, 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 and I tend to look at it in the future and go, that's going to happen. Now, if that happens tomorrow, that changes a lot of forecast, a lot of things dramatically. If that happens after the first of the year, the middle of the year, end of the year, that's what we don't know. I don't have a crystal ball and not pretending to, to have that. But I do think that, that, incrementally good news is going to come out and more people are going to go, you know what? We can do that. We can put our home on the market. We do feel safe. Yeah. And I'm seeing in comments how some sellers are getting savvy and they're like moving into different properties or renting or waiting and seizing the opportunity. I mean, again, you think back about uh, investors trying to buy up at the bottom of the market during the recession. Um, 
And it's like, I was listening to some podcast and they're like, nobody knew when we had bottomed out until we started climbing back up. Nor yeah. do we know when we've topped out until we, till things start adjusting. What we do know is that markets go up and down based upon certain variables. Yeah. And right now, I know that we're seeing some pretty record-setting price points in a lot of markets. So I just think trying to appeal, just get the information out, like you said, and then without a hard sell, just here's the information on the silver platter. Ultimately, my job is to help you make an informed choice. And you can't do that without me supplying you with the right information. So here you right. go. Yeah. You're an intelligent human being. Make a good choice. Yeah, I think, that, I think the, the – let's talk about this. Let's talk about what's driving all of this, okay? Because I think that is the – the point that we, we, we need to pay attention to. And, and I would argue that I would call them white hot interest rates are driving this. This was published yesterday uh, from Freddie Mac. The average on a 30-year fixed right now, 2.87% uh, in, in the quote here from Sam Cater, uh, the economist there at Freddie Mac says, despite the recession, the very low mortgage environment has spurred many first-time home buyers to jump into the real estate market. They're going, hey, now is the time. We can buy something, get the advantages of buying versus renting. Good plan. Um, Absolutely. In August, the first-time homebuyer activity rose 19% from July to the highest monthly level ever for Freddie Mac. The first-time homebuyer-driven rebound in the housing market has come at a critical time for the economy. So, no doubt, uh, as, as the economy, the U.S. economy recovers, housing is, is leading the way, and you know, we've talked extensively about the impact we have in our business on the economy and ancillary, uh, you know, industries that are spurred on by real estate to commissions to, you know, for a new home, the supplies and the materials to build that home. So a lot of good stuff being driven by, by low rates. And, you know, uh, the, the gift of an economic slowdown is, uh, you know, lower rates. And as we move into a, you know, a growing economy, oftentimes the parallel to that is a, is a growing uh, interest rate environment. Now the Fed said they're going to keep the Fed funds rate low. And, uh, you know, there are things that, that the mortgage market is looking at for that and, and forecast are for rates to stay low. Um, but it's, it's kind of like what you said. We oftentimes don't realize that until we're looking in the rearview mirror and we go, oh, wow, we really had a great time, a great environment uh, relative to rates or, or what, whatever the case may be. And, romanticize. And, Remember when? <laughs> totally. Yeah. And, and that is the thing, you know, that, that whatever is bought today at a, I think, at a 2.87 or, or whatever they get, if it's 3% 30-year fixed, you'll be bragging on in, you know, in 10 years uh, relative to that interest rate. But, you, you know, what this is doing across the country is driving affordability. And now there are, there are questions, and you just brought one up about, you know, do we want to overpay today? And I want to address that, uh, and that is an idea. But, you know, I've covered this slide several times. The thing that sticks out is you know, after the downturn in 2008, the years that distressed properties, the oversupply literally of homes on the market um, that, uh, that drove prices down. And now we're seeing affordability similar to, you know, where we were in 2009, uh, 2010 in this uh, housing affordability index that NAR produces. Uh, and, and so that's a good thing. Now, the interesting thing, and, and we published this, uh, these on the KCM Instagram, if you've seen those, the difference in monthly payment. And so what we did is we took um, $250,000 as a financed amount and looked at that as today's interest rate. Uh, you see it there. Uh, it's actually, if, if we were to buy uh, a $250,000 or, or finance $250,000 a year ago, what that would be today would be $263,750. But what our payment would be would be $61 lower. So this so let me go negotiation also, is that what you're suggesting? Say again? So help us understand, walk us through that slower, just so we make sure we follow what you're saying. Okay, so if we go last year and we finance $250,000 right. on a home, the interest rate was 3.73%, giving yep. us that payment of $1,154. Got it. That same finance amount if we did it today using a 5.5% increase as per CoreLogic in the last 12 months, okay. that'd be $263,750. So we account for the appreciation. That's it. And then we calculate at the lower rate. And the net of that is the, although the price is growing, the cost is less. Okay. 
So what I'd be doing with this is I'd be taking this as a the slide as an Instagram. I would do an Instagram gallery, which is where you can have like photos and videos mixed up. So they see this and then they swipe over and they hear you explain it on a video just like David did. You got 60 seconds to explain it on that video on Instagram, but that'd be a post I'd be doing like today. Yeah. Um, and then also, that's, that's this week, you know, uh, relative to interest rates. You can go back. I use the example at the summit of November 15th, 2018, not quite two years from now, where the average 30-year fixed was 4.94%, yeah. almost five. You want to do that math and it's, it's bananas, as Tom would say. You know, it's crazy. Uh, to, <laughs> he to would look say at that, that, wouldn't he? He, he would. He would. That. So um, I, I think like about affordability. So what goes into affordability just so that seems more concrete and real to people? Yeah. So it's, it's a great question because that's the thing we have to remind people. Affordability across the country is a factor of two things, a rising wage environment. So people are literally making more money and a decreasing uh, mortgage rate environment, meaning you know rates are more affordable. So when you look at that delta between those incomes going up, rates going down, we get a very, very good uh, effect of affordability. Okay, love it. Okay, I think you got a couple of slides left. And then while you got your screen off, I got a couple of questions coming up in the chat. One is, if you could sort of echo, I, I know you shared a lot of thoughts on the elections during your talk at Summit. Mm -hmm. Somebody was asking, where can I get those thoughts? You can go to tomferry.com, gain access to the on-demand for our success summit. And David did a keynote presentation during that. A lot of great stuff. Um, I'd love to get just kind of a, a short version of that, if we could, for folks watching. If there's anything to say or add or, or re-echo. Well, not re-echo, just echo. And then also, if you could talk about some of the shortages we're seeing, like lumber costs, things like that, difficulty obtaining materials, and if that's having any impact we can talk about today. Okay. Um, so let's take the lumber uh, situation first, and then let's go to election. Um, so lumber prices uh, in the last, uh, gosh, five, six months have doubled. That's the quick answer. Um, a lot of people go, why has that happened? There, there's a lot of talk of tariffs and different things. The, 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 the majority of the reason that has happened is, first of all, in quarantine, mills had to shut down and they have not gotten back up until uh, to full capacity, which is the story of a lot of businesses today, right? I mean, think about restaurants. They had to shut down and they're not operating at full capacity. Um, this is the first reason. The second reason for, for the price in lumber uh, is white hot demand. Um, whether it be home builders or do-it-yourselfers, there's an extreme demand on lumber right now. And so, again, go back to our business. It's supply-side economics. You limit the supply, price shoots up, and, oh, yes, those prices will be passed along to the consumer. Now, the interesting thing I think that's developing that we literally don't have answers for right now um, because they've said we can't tell you how it's going to impact us or what are the wildfires doing uh, to the supply of lumber. Yeah. Um, because they, they, they even a press release this week um, saying, hey, we can't tell right now because we can't get in there. As soon as we can get in there, we'll let you know how this is going to affect it. So I think it's something we're, we're going to continue to watch uh, and, uh, and see how that, that plays out. Okay, which it's kind of actually puts a little roadblock to my next question I was thinking about. Um, somebody was talking about even the rental markets are pretty mm -hmm. exhausted in some of these places. So it's just a gridlock, a traffic jam in a lot of yeah. respects. And yeah. in some markets, what I've had some coaching clients do is basically creating marketing collateral around the idea of building your dream home, buying land. Um, however, like you said, we got to see what happens with lumber and what impact that could have. I don't call myself a building expert by any means. I teach yeah. real estate agents, but um, being licensed, having sold, that's that's going to be something to watch for sure right now. Yeah, um, I think it's our team has has been following this lumber story, and I think there's more to unfold on it. Um, okay. But but I think it is going to contribute contribute to cost. And you know, um, again, let's hope that you know bills mills continue to um, uh, to get back to full capacity. They can produce what they need to produce and uh, and going forward. Now, the second question you asked was about the election. Um, okay. I don't think we have time to go fully into that. I'm going to recommend that if you want to go deep on that, go grab what I did at the summit 
it'll be well worth it. Um, you're going to get so much more uh, of, of all, the, all the content there. But the quick answer is, based on historical data, and I, and I, I will use the, the setup of the month of October over the month of November when the election uh, happens, is typically in a non-election year, if we sold 100 homes in October, we're gonna sell 90 in November. There's typically seasonal fall off in November. In an election year, we see a little bit more seasonal fall off. If we sold 100 homes in October, we're gonna sell 85 uh, in November. And, and here's how I, I think it goes back to the comment that you mentioned, Jason, just a few minutes ago. Okay. Consumers kind of put their hands in their pocket and they go, you know what, I'm going to wait and see how this all shakes out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of pause, and I'm not sure. And, and I think if anything today, that's a, a, you know, an exaggerated statement, right? Both sides are, are going, hey, you like the other one, the world's going to end. You know, um, right. I think we're seeing the most contentious presidential election in our nation's history. And we've said that many, many times. Now, we don't lose those deals. They just get pushed into the next year. And, and data suggests that. And here's why. There are so many other factors that cause people to want to buy a home. Life events. What's, what have we been talking about? Low interest rates. Consumer confidence. Do I have a job? Am I, you know, am I, so there's so many things that are far more important that. Um, they're, they're innate. It's Maslow's hierarchy of needs on some absolutely. level. Absolutely. Discretionary spending. We tell everything you live in. Right, right. Now, the analogy I would give is, let's use a quarantine analogy of a restaurant, okay? Restaurant can't operate on Friday night. They lose that business because my family and I, we eat at home. We don't, it's not like the restaurant uh, can't serve us, so we just don't eat. We eat. In our business, we don't lose that sale. Just because somebody doesn't buy a home in November doesn't mean they decide not to buy a home. They say, you know what, we're going to do it in December, January, February, whatever the case may be when I feel you know, you know, confident in doing Which that. So I think as we go out there, what's that? Which means never stop marketing, never stop Absolutely. doing, right? Absolutely. Because, yeah. And in fact, I would make that part of my Q4 plan, knowing there's going to probably be a lax in some sales because of the elections in the U.S., I'd be saying, I got to make sure I'm on my database, make sure I'm on my farm. The areas that I own, as far as my marketplace, elbows up, keep my marketing strong so that I am top of mind and the agent of choice come next year. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I think that that message of doing that and even getting that video out there in the KCM um, members uh, private Facebook group, if you're a KCM member, you, you need to be in there. If you're not, get in there. Um, a, a Tom Ferry coach, uh, she did a video covering that. Here's how the election impacts the market. And I think to your point, Jason, the, the marketing opportunity there is to bring that information because we go into a little bit of consumer confidence, how that's affected, uh, you know, blue and red counties and states and what yep. we can kind of see going forward. So a lot more to happen. And, and listen, what we're talking about today over the next, you know, 45 days-ish, whatever it is between here and the election, um, I talked about the unemployment report. It's going to be heavily scrutinized. You, you better believe that, that information and data is going to be hard to interpret because of the agendas that are at play and the agendas that drive the goal of driving perception because perception then is uh, how people are going to vote. And so our job is to be able to cut through that. Yep, absolutely. With just the facts shared in a way that positions you as a trusted advisor, has empathy, all the things we talked about. There's been a lot of ideas here. Um, David, I want to open it up. If there's anything else you want to share, any closing thoughts that you would add to the group? Uh, that's yeah, I think the um, I'll share I'll share one last slide um, that I think underscores Jason just the the challenge across the country right now um, in, in our business and and I think everybody knows this but I want to give you a, a little bit of a, a representation to it uh, of just a map showing the change in inventory year over year by state and wherever you're at you can go yeah that's that's what's happening where I'm at but you can see um, the lack of a available homes for sale is, uh, is, the, is the thing, and certainly has been said by experts, that could slow down the recovery of the housing market um, going into the end of the year. So I think it underscores our job right now of, of getting out there and bringing inventory to 
to market. Again, you can access all these slides on the MyKCM forward slash Tom Ferry little uh, site there and grab them, but um, just kind of brings a visual representation to that. Can I ask a, a naive question that I probably shouldn't bring up at the very end of our conversation? Because <laughs> I sure. question is, can you help us understand, and maybe I'm just not seeing it right, how do we have a reduction in inventory like we do and an increase in number of sales year over year? Does that make sense? So, yeah, I think the that's that's a great question. Here's what I would say, and we have inventory being brought back to market. Okay, so people are are getting uh, listings. Yep. The analogy that I use, it's probably the easiest way, and you've seen the meme on Facebook, is it is um, the storekeeper in the pandemic that can't get uh, inventory of toilet paper on the shelves fast enough before it's purchased. Mm -hmm. So not only are the existing homes that are on the market being purchased, everything coming to market's being purchased. So you're seeing all of that uh, just evaporate and, and go away and driving those deals. So supply, is that, is that slide? Really low inventory levels across the country. Is that then based, is that inventory level reduction that we're seeing the slide you just showed based upon demand also? Well, inventory level is going to be based purely upon where we were last year versus this year. So demand's a factor of that. Demand's gonna, gonna you know, exasperate it further. Yeah, right. All right. I was just curious for an explanation on that because it was like, huh, how does that connect? You know, yeah. I mean, I I think you're seeing um, we will in the next week get the the next look at inventory across the country, and I think it's gonna be pretty rough uh, yeah. relative to to what's out there. That is the need uh, is available homes for the and and you see the spike in the number of people that are like, hey, we want to buy now. Two factors, low interest rates and the needs. Um, and, uh, and it's put, put uh, this, you know, underscored kind of this position. Okay. I'll put it like this as we wrap up. And David, thank you for sharing all this incredible information. Um, we're just, again, we're grateful for KCM. If you want the slides, go to MyKCM, Keeping Current Matters, MyKCM.com slash Tom Ferry to get today's slides. If you want access to the summit, uh, that we talked about a lot throughout this presentation, go to tomferry.com and get the on-demand access. And I'm going to leave you with a thought of encouragement and challenge. I already said it once. It's like quadruple overtime and the game's still going. Roll your sleeves up, hustle. We're going to be looking for inventory. We're going to be doing things that, you know what? Most agents won't do. Most agents lack the willpower to do the work required to be successful in today's market, but I know I'm talking to the most committed pack of agents on the planet right now. So get the information out to your consumers, be the trusted advisor, do the work that others won't do so that you can be the one who becomes the leader in a market that's hard. It's a hard market, it's a time of recession, but when you position yourself as the leader in that marketplace, the wind catches in your sales, you're gonna take your business to new heights, and so I'm giving you the encouragement now to do the work that matters today because it's going to matter even more in the future. So with that, David, thank you, thank you, thank you. I hope everybody has a powerful Friday and a wonderful weekend and that you sell a bunch of houses and that you serve a lot of people. We're super grateful for you. Uh, see you, David. See everybody. Thank you. Uh -huh. Bye. If you want more information about this episode, including my show notes, mentions, links, and everything else, make sure you visit tomferry.com slash podcast. That's tomferry.com slash podcast. Thanks again and talk to you soon.